Bueller, 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 Bueller. Wake up! Good morning! Terry Wilson, he's gonna throw! Conrad! Touchdown, Kentucky! Touchdown, Kentucky! Victory, Kentucky! Like, give your fans what they want, you dinguses. She probably smokes marijuana. Bad, bad girl. They is buggers over here. Back outside. This is the point where he always hits it. Oh! Aaron Harrison beyond belief. We did it. We beat those British. We bastards. beat the British. Suck it, Cornwallis. Ten kids. You're basically pregnant for 20 years. Pregnant or breastfeeding. Just wild. Like that sounds exhausting. Potheads. What an adorable. What an adorable bunch of people. Woodson from the gun, play fake, step it up. He's throwing deep down the near sideline. He's got Johnson. 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Kentucky. Jesus, Rash, get it together. Yeah, it's game day. Come on. Welcome to Kentucky Roll Call with Walker and Roush. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday to you. It is May 22nd, 2023. It's a new week of Kentucky Roll Call here on Big X Sports Radio. 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. TJ Walker, Nick Roush, and Justin Kalen. Another beautiful morning. Feels good outside. Nice and a a little crisp in the air, if you ask me. A little chilly out there, but that's the way we like it. Uh, especially knowing that summer heat is fast approaching. Nick Roush, how was your weekend? What's up? It was good. It was good, Mr. Sports Talker. It feels like we're in the um it's a it's a nice kind of final uh final weekend of spring, week or so, because it's still chill in the mornings, but um uh, getting warm during the day. Spent most of it outside. We uh went to um Floyd's Fork, like Beckley Creek Park yesterday. Had the kids play around in the, the creek. This is good old-fashioned fun. Like, let's throw some rocks around, splash, muck it up a little bit. Uh, so, spent most of the day outdoors, did a little yard work, all that sort of stuff. So, uh, all in all, a very, very solid weekend. And then, uh, so it was like family time yesterday and then uh, day drinking time the day before. So, I got like the best of both worlds this weekend. Couldn't ask. We're much better. I did learn a valuable lesson, though, TJ, and that's that I'm very much a hangs out with the guys, drinks during the day, um, goes home before the bars get crowded at night. Whereas we, we went to a spot in Nulu, and like everything was good, and at about till about ten thirty, and that's when like it got packed, and there was just people everywhere, and I was yeah yeah not not for me, not for me. Whoa, out till 1030. That's pretty late for us old timers. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. And I was with some of the young timers, the looking around there, where's all the women at? And all the women showed up, made it crowded. I was like, God, this, this sucks. Let's uh, get out of here. Yeah, stay home, women. Uh, Scoots, how are you? Uh, I'm good. It's it's another week. Things aren't really working at the station like they're supposed to, so a little stressed out this morning. But we're here. We're doing good. I had a great weekend. It was one of those weekends that you don't really have too often and that it seemed like it was about four days long. So that's always nice because normally you get the two days and it's like, oh, it felt like half of a day. But no, mine felt like four days. I was very busy the whole weekend. So 
Yeah, it's good. I'm I'm good. Glad to be here on Monday, though. How are you, TJ? How was your weekend? Best weekend I think I've had in in a good while. Wow, it, it yeah. was awesome. Maybe uh, unfortunately a, a little too much fun because the uh, we if we think the daughter has a fever, we're pretty sure she has a fever. Um, regardless, I'll get to that here in a moment. But golf Friday, so that was always a great time. Saturday was a do nothing, just wife, kid, me, home. Pretty much all day. Uh, weather was nice, so plenty of time out. Well, it was rainy in the morning, but then plenty of time uh, in the afternoon after nap time. Got a few things done around the house. And then Sunday, we went to, we were at the zoo and they opened up, which was exciting. Oh, and, that's, that's the way to do it, to get there early. Uh huh. This was okay. her first time at the zoo getting to like actually see and appreciate animals. She's been to an aquarium before. But the other times at the zoo have been the boo at the zoo, which you don't, you maybe get to see like a animal yeah, if that. Yeah. So, um, and she's been obviously much younger then. So she loved it. She had so much fun and even nap time got delayed a little bit, but she still ended up taking a good nap. And then we went over to uh, Gammy's house for a birthday dinner celebration. And my mom bought this inflatable water slide that you would see at like six flags it's so complex and big we couldn't believe that she actually had purchased it however all the kids loved it and it was like a little chilly for kind of water activities in the shade and this was in the shade but the kids just still couldn't stop playing with it uh, pretty much the entire night they had a blast we had the golf on betting ponies over the weekend you had the preakness on saturday mm -hmm. uh, but the, the the baby may have had a little too much fun as she did not sleep well at all last night so we're gonna see how she feels when she wakes up this morning figure out what we're gonna do there tj but, i've got to know all, awesome awesome weekend i've got to know when you were at the zoo did you see the new red panda if so how cool was it i did we did we we almost like stumbled upon it by accident Although then we realized like, oh, they've got a bunch of stuff here. They clearly had some sort of like ceremony recently. And uh, it was nice. It, it was in the, it was in a little basket, just kind of playing and kicking its feet up in the air. It was having a good time. Sweet. It is, where, where is the red panda portion of the zoo? Because we'll, we'll definitely be zooing at some point this week. It was close to like the little splash park, which is supposed oh, to be. Nice. I think it kind of makes sense. That's like the polar bear bear area. So red panda bear. Which they're um, they're reopening that this weekend. I know that's that's a big uh, roush festivity. Where it's just like, all right, let's get there as soon as it opens up. Get about an hour in. Um, they had to sh they had to shut that down early last year because the. Uh, it was kind of wild, the like foamy stuff that they use, like the actual like walking surface of it was, it, I don't know if it was just old, but it was like, um, I don't even, it's very difficult to describe, but it was like bubbling up underneath to where, I mean, they just had to completely remove it all. I guess it was too old or something, but like the, it like pushed up like four feet off the ground. It was crazy. It was wild. That is pretty wild. They were yep. getting that already. I didn't know when it was opening up, but they were working on it there yesterday. And uh, no, it made for made for a really, really nice weekend. And say elephant, probably her favorite animal to see. She really just she loves checking out the elephants. Ooh, but and the baby, baby's cool. Polar bear was the polar bear and the grizz or the polar bear and a grizzly bear. She liked both those and the gorilla as well. So. 
I'd say maybe that rounds out her her final four, her favorite animal she got to see. But no, it was a it, it was a great time. Golf on Friday was good. Scoots, how was your round on Friday? Oh man, it was. Oh. All I can say is glad we did not play together on Friday. I don't know if you all got in my head on the show or what, but it was hands down the worst version of myself I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh no, what happened? Oh, it was just awful. I could I literally could do nothing right. Well, so my most inconsistent club, well, for the majority of my life has been my driver. Granted, I got that straightened out last year, but I have, it's, all, it's only my third round back, so I was unsure about that whole aspect of my game, but that was the best part of my game. I, I striped nearly every drive, but I couldn't do anything. I literally couldn't do anything. Couldn't putt, couldn't chip, couldn't hit my irons. I've, I've never seen myself play so bad in my entire life. Well, that means you're you're going to be better the next time. You well, make it any worse. So, you know what it was is I didn't drink before the round, so I, I, I ended up shooting so through three holes on the front. I was plus six. Stopped at the turn, got some beers, threw seven holes on the back. I was only plus seven. So there's all the evidence you need. You've got to drink before golf. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Rash, what do you make of that? Do you do you agree? Do you think that maybe there's some holes in that logic? Um, I, I well, I do think there is something to it. That's like what bad golfers say. It's very much loser talks. Well, we all know I'm, we all know I'm a bad golfer at this point. Oh, gee, and we're not going to uh, do the self-loathing, sympathy. No, you all got me believing it now. I think that's what happened on Friday. You, no, you, no, see, you exactly are in my head. That, yeah, well, you should have blind confidence, scoots. You got to fight back. Um, but there, there, I think there definitely was something to uh, us. You, you have a bad shot or two, and then you let us get in your head. That's more of what it was probably than just needing I needed to drink some beer to be ready to play. Well, and you know, I was actually driving to the course on Friday, and I was I was thinking about the whole the whole show from Friday, and I was like, man, I can either take this two ways. I can like be motivated from this, like to shut them up and prove that I'm okay at golf, or I can just let it get in my head and play really bad. And unfortunately, it was the latter that happened. So. But it was still fun. We had a, we had a good time. Well, do Roush and I owe you anything for rent in your head? <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, if I'll I'll send you the invoice later. Uh, do, I will say I, I like the idea of you walking up to like a seven foot putt and just in the background you've got Roush and I. Uh, you're not gonna make it, Scoots. You so chance you suck. In. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> very much a movie montage where they put like the little guys on your shoulders, right? Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Roko, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I played solid. Nothing, nothing special. Nothing overly memorable, but nothing terrible either. Just same old, same old for the most part. I think eighty-seven out at Midland, which I, I really enjoy that course. I had uh, Duke did the most relatable thing he's ever done as a small child, and that was we after we had our day playing in the water and all that. Uh, we're sit- sitting back in the living room. I turned the PGA on to just kind of relax for a little bit. And, you know, we watch a handful of holes or, you know, it's probably 30, 45 minutes. And he's just like, Dad, let's go play golf. We, we need, let's go outside and play golf. I want to play golf. And it, h- how many times have you had that experience where you're just like, oh, man, I need to get out there. But it's like, ooh, but I really like watching it. But I need to get out there. So um, I was 
I was very happy. That was that was a proud papa moment. So did you go play golf with your kid? Yeah. I mean, but we, we just, you know, we got about a dozen uh, practice balls, and he's got this little uh, machine that, like, you step on it, and it tees up the ball for you. Oh. Uh, it's pretty cool. But he found a bunch of uh, golf tees in my office, so now he just wants to play with the real tees because that's where the, you know, the mm-hmm. real ones. Um, but, yeah, and then he'll get mad if you hit it farther than that. When are you gonna buy him some? Competition. When are you gonna buy him some real clubs? Uh, it'll be soon. Uh, we, we're still on the plastic ones for now, and it's mostly just for yard preservation um, because they don't take out divots the way that the metal ones do. So I have a feeling that'll probably be a next summer sort of deal. We've got a few little grinded down clubs that uh, Grandpa made for the grandkids, and. Lucy doesn't really know how to swing it, but she'll kind of like try to tee up the ball and then just like, you know, kind of scoot it like it's a hockey puck more than anything. But I like to think she's going down the right avenue. So that that's exciting. Uh, she she enjoys that. I don't think she really quite understands what what golf is necessarily, but but good good. Everybody's got the golf itch. Good time to get that big Exports Radio golf card. Father's Day less than a month away. Probably won't have many, if any, after Father's Day. So go to BigExportsRadio.com to learn more. The nicest courses in the area for under $25 a round, cart included. You're just not going to play better courses for a cheaper price than the 2023 Big Exports Radio golf card. Well, while we're on the golf subject, should we talk about the PGA? Yeah. My my favorite championship and was trying to – Wanted a little draw. Wanted a little. Didn't make it over to Indiana yesterday. Obviously, like I said, it was a pretty busy weekend, so I didn't get any sort of golf bets in. I did my little DraftKings thing after Thursday. I knew my team was totally and completely oh. toast. Then, TJ, no I've never had a, a a lineup as bad as I had it this weekend. Four guys, four of my six didn't even make the cut. It was it was an embarrassing performance on my. I, mean, I had three of six not make the cut, which is probably the worst for me as well. So I can relate, pal. You're in yeah, good company like, of stink. It's it's just waking up on Saturday, being like, "Hum, let's let's check the you know let's let's catch up, see how my guys are doing," and then you just realize, well, uh, I guess all of my bets are off this weekend. Like this is going to be fun. Yeah, luckily I didn't enter it into like any other contests or anything like that, which was good. Just the just the one that I always do for the majors, but yeah, it was horrible for me as well. But for a for a tournament that didn't come down to the final shot or really the final hole, I do think yesterday was an absolute blast of a final round. There was drama, like holes 14, 15, 16, with Scheffler. Scheffler was making a little bit of a charge, was going to be a little too late. And then the Michael Block angle, which just absolutely stormed the weekend news cycle in the sports world, Gets a hole in one in the most dramatic fashion ever. I think that was one of those golf shots, and this doesn't happen often. I think it was one of those golf shots where if you were watching live, you're going to remember where you were, maybe who you were with, the reaction of what happened, when, and maybe you were just watching it by yourself and it was just you going crazy. But we were at the family party. The kids were playing in the water feature, and there was a group of us watching there live. My brother-in-law, who was the golfer at Purdue, knows golf pretty well. He sees it coming off the tee, and he says, oh, he, he's good if that's the, the right number. 
And I was like, well, with how consistent he's been playing this week, I bet he knows the right number. And we were saying, having that conversation while the ball was in the air, and then, boom, dunked it. Dunked it. A hold one on a dunk. It, it's like you, you see it on viral videos, but you don't often see it during actual PGA or major golf events. And when you do, how often do you see it live? But this was an incredibly meaningful shot. If he doesn't do that, he doesn't get the exemption to play in the PGA Championship next year, so he'll be out of Valhalla because he finished top 15, finished 15 on the dot. Also hit a big putt as well later on. He provided so many fun moments for a golfer that probably 99% of the golf world didn't know or hadn't heard of going into this weekend. But that hole-in-one, and some people may say even the putt was, was better, but that's a hole in one. You dunked it in a hole in one. It doesn't get any better than that. So that was exciting. It did bring up the conversation that if you were ever to hit a hole in one, which sadly us three, who knows if that day will ever happen, would you rather dunk it or would you rather have the, it lands on the green. There it goes. Is it tracking? I think it's on the right line there. And then it drops and you go crazy. Which hole in one would you rather have? The, I know scoots beggars can't be choosers, I think the dunking means like you just hit the most perfect shot ever. Now there would be a little bit more drama watching it roll in, but like I've had moments where I thought it was in a roll and it didn't come close to just straight up dunk. It would be such a badass feeling that I, I don't, I don't know how it could be topped. See, I'm on the other side. I would much rather have like a ball kind of like the ball over the water at the Masters where they hit it on the right side of the green and it just trickles all the way down to the hole. I think I'd rather have one like that. It'd be more fun. You're sitting there wondering the whole time, like, oh, is this it? Is this it? By the way, I, I wish I would have had the audio pulled up, but did you all hear Michael Block's interview about that hole-in-one? That was really funny. No, I didn't. Obviously, I saw the one that everybody was talking about when he found out he was paired with Rory, and that obviously went mega viral, but... No, I, I didn't see his after-round interview just because we were, again, at the party and you didn't really have the sound up as well. So, basically, he just said, um, they asked him about it, and he was like, I didn't see it. He was like, I, th I thought, you know, coming off the tee, it was a pretty good shot, and it, it might have a chance to be close. He said, but then Rory came up and hugged me, and he was like, I'm sitting there thinking, Rory's hugging me for putting it within 10 feet? Okay, cool. And then he, I guess he put it all together that he had made it. So, that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, maybe I did. Maybe I did see that, or at least I saw the video, like the audio of yeah. him on the tee box. That seemed a little hammed up. I'm big Michael Block guy, but like I, you heard the crowd going crazy. Like I think you know you have eyes. You know you hit it well, and you know the crowd was going like extra, extra bananas. But regardless, I, I'm sure he. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine several different times for that guy all weekend. Just the the literal adrenaline pumping through your body and to feel that and the butterflies you'd have. And uh, he, he definitely, he knew it was his 15 minutes of fame and he did not disappoint. And now you're going to get to see more of them. I think whatever tournaments next weekend invited him to play in it, obviously, like I mentioned, he automatically qualifies for the PGA championship next year at Valhalla. So the Louisville crowd will get to, to welcome him. He'll have a following out there for sure. Uh, but that's what my – so it's funny you both kind of touched on where the conversation went when we were having it. My brother-in-law, he said exactly what Roush says. 
the dunk just means you had the right yardage, you knew you had the right club, and you hit it exactly as perfectly as you can hit a golf shot. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That is the perfect golf shot. But I, I, I agreed with Scoots that just being on the tee box, assuming you have a view of it all, being on the tee box and seeing it track towards the hole and that anticipation and excitement and then the payoff of seeing it drop, I think that would be better because just the dunk, while amazing and totally right that beggars can't be choosers, I'll take either one. Sign me up for either one. But for the dunk, it's just it's, it's over after that. I mean, yes, you go crazy and you have an absolute blast with it. I'm simplifying that a bit. But I do think the tracking would be a little bit more fun if we got to have our say in the matter. But I would take either one. That dunk was awesome. Hurt, it hurt the lip a little bit. I'm not sure if you all saw that. They had to they had to quickly and briefly repair the lip of the cup because it came in with such force. But what a what a round of golf from him. For not often you talk about somebody that finishes top 15 more than you talk about the winner, which was Brooks Kepka, who played a hell of a round. But yeah, Michael Block stole the stole the show. Well, and Kepka going up to Block after the round when he finished and was walking up to the clubhouse. Hits him on the chest, says, hey, I heard you're buying drinks. That was just a cool moment. Like, what a cool week for Michael Block. He said it earlier in the week that he feels like his life has changed, and absolutely it has. There's no doubt about it. What a, what a fun guy to root for. So I missed the whole Michael Block phenomenon. I just saw his putt on 18 and saw everybody losing their minds. So I had to ask you all why it was such a big deal um, because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't really on the leaderboard or anything. Um and in that group chat, too, we also had uh, some pretty confident people that Brooks was going to fall apart. And I think within two holes, Victor Hovland just melted, melted under pressure with the double bogey and on the same hole that Brooks birdied. And that just kind of that took away any sort of drama, any sort of pressure on him over the last, I guess it was four holes. Was that? 15 or 16? Three, because you saw Scheffler, like, if you know, if, mm-hmm. if Kafka just totally goofed up. But, yeah, three or four, whatever it ended up being. Um, I didn't necessarily think Hovland had the chops to be able to go out there and seize it. I just thought it was going to be Brooks who did that, who he would be the one that would get a double and, and drop back a couple of strokes. Not necessarily that Hovland wasn't – he didn't have the potential to do it, I just I, I didn't I wasn't as confident that Hovland was going to go out there and you know go birdie 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 to to finish the round and make things interesting. I just thought Brooks Kepka was going to goof, and he never did. To his credit, he never goofed. Uh, it just was consistent. Even found himself in a couple tough spots. I wouldn't necessarily call him goofs, but maybe you would. And then he just had the response for even any bad shot that he had. He seemed to have the answer for it. So I was definitely wrong. Glad that Scooch couldn't get a bet in for me. But you're welcome. Congrats to Brooks Kepka, number five. Only 20 players, I think, have won five majors in the history of golf, and he he joins that list. That's pretty impressive. By the way, Roush, I briefly talked about how Michael Block was known because he was he's just dominant in his PGA section. So he plays in SoCal. A little more background for you. Basically, he's like the Tiger Woods of that section of PGA. I want to say he's played in 145 events. He's won 43 of them, got second in 26 of them. So basically, he's finishing in the top one or two in 50% of these events. He's finished in the top 10 87% of the time in those tournaments. So, yeah, he's a pretty good golfer. So what, what, what events are they, though? That was the part that I'm confused about. Yeah, it's just there's like certain sections of PGA Tour that just play like regional tournaments. So that, basically that's what he does. He's a club pro that plays regional SoCal tournaments. Got you. Okay, okay. 
Yeah. So just he's a he's a damn good club pro. Exactly. And he, he's yeah. won some of like again, if you're a PGA club pro, you can play in these events. And then, you know, if everything goes your way, you can get into the PGA Championship. And that's how that's how he ended up in it this go around. But supposedly he's done this before. He's just never had anything, the success on this scale. He's never made the cut. This was his yeah. seventh major, and he's never made the cut before this one. Yeah, because he does dominate those little regional sectional things that Scoots is talking about. And so you'll you'll qualify for this, but he's never had any – amount of success mm-hmm. like this right, so right yeah right. Pretty, pretty amazing and i think i read he'd have to do like 2400 lessons at 125 dollars to make the money that he made this weekend because that's how much he charges for lessons out in california uh, pretty cool pretty cool Scooters, for him. why don't you get a lesson from him i would love Scooters, to why don't you need to take a lesson i mean <laughs> if you can get a why don't not be him a, a part three course and shoot even uh, you can do what michael block did <laughs> and one one in due time i might be michael block you never know <laughs> what do you need to finish top five i think to make the masters uh top four top four to make yeah the masters. and then yeah, top that's, yeah, that seemed like a long crazy. shot even when they talked about that but that also would have been pretty cool when top three i'm pretty sure he would have got a tour card which oh would have been awesome yeah be a cool way to get a tour card. No kidding. Yeah, you ain't kidding me. Yeah. Uh, so there's a little golf talk on your Monday morning, and I know this doesn't always necessarily move the needle with Kentucky Roll Call, but we're going to do it. We're going to come back and we're going to talk horse racing. Got to yeah. talk about what happened over the weekend. We'll talk horse racing. We'll get into the Batcats. Obviously, we've got another discussion about UK basketball that's going to be pretty similar to some other ones that we've had, but still news, so still have to talk about all that stuff. Oh, yeah. We've got a lot to get to. It was a busy weekend. Roush, did you have something else? No, just oh, yeah. Oh, um, I, I just heard the noises. You're just excited. Oh, yeah, just lots of grunts. Mm-hmm. Ah. It, it is Monday, after all. We'll be back. This is KRC on Big X. Okay. Your turn. Welcome back to Kentucky Roll Call. Everyone has called me Dwayne all day. I think Jim Halpert paid them to. With Walker and Roush. Yes, five bucks each, and it was totally worth it. Welcome back, Kentucky Roll Call, here on Big X Sports Radio. People forget in the office that Jim is pretty much just a major bully. Roll Call. That's why I love him. And we're kindred spirits. Just takes it a little too far. Like, let, let poor Dwight just live his life. Like, uh, you know, he just goes a little too far from time to time. This is Kentucky Roll Call on Big X Sports Radio, 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. TJ Walker, Nick Roush, and Justin Kalen. Get your text into the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. And if you're looking for something delicious without breaking the bank to get your day started, Thornton's has you covered. They've got breakfast sandwiches that you got to try to believe you won't be disappointed. They got fresh fruit, 
They've got coffee and they've got some ginormous donuts that are delicious. Anything that you could be craving, you'll find it at a Thornton's near you to start your week and then get your text into the Thornton's text line. We're going to read those as the show goes on today. Folks are concerned about UK basketball. We're going to talk about that. But Roush, my sweet, sweet mage, couldn't get it done in the Preakness. No, mage, uh, if you watch the race, the horse fired very similar similar to how it moved in at Churchill in the Derby. And the way that mage fired was like pointed inside instead of going. So like when he went to get that extra little giddy up, if you will, he was just running right into National Treasure's rear end. Um, I think there was another horse up there in second, too. Yeah, so I that, think if Mage runs straight, it wins the race. Yeah, but like just had to do that little turn inside. So um, it's unfortunate, um, but uh, especially because of stinking Bob Baffert. Like, and I, I kind of had the take, uh, the more I've looked at the program and the more I've looked at stuff, um, on Saturday morning, it's just like, man, these sources just aren't that great. But uh, National Treasure had run in the juvenile. Hadn't really done much uh, in two races at Santa Anita to this point. Was lightly raced as a three-year-old. And I just, it's like, man, this horse hasn't even really gone to the front in either of its races. Well, it turns out it hadn't gone to the front because it was going up against a ton of speed in those other races. There was no speed in this one, which was going to make it harder for Mage to close um, without a very fast pace. So National Treasure really just kind of went unchallenged and got to cruise to a win. I was was not happy about it. Didn't do too well on Preakness Saturday. And the thing I did, the, the worst the worst thing I did was I so I like did my handicapping in the morning while um, one of the boys was napping and the other one was just kind of kind of hanging out. Um, and I by the time it was ready for me to leave the house, um, I was already too late to bet the first race that I had handicapped. And uh, had a try that would have paid 211 bucks, and I just I didn't get I went to hit the bet button and said the race is off. It's like, oh, ugh, I would have paid for the day. It's, it's I had a similar horse racing horror story, had made my bets for the race, and then was fine like you know, 20 minutes had passed by, and I'd noticed one of the horses and all my exotics had scratched, so I was just gonna tinker with them and then canceled the bets and couldn't get all the bets in, and it, it had hit. Uh, everything that I mm. wanted was it was so it's it stunk really was frustrating so I, I can I can empathize with you buddy that uh, that's Stop. not a that's not a fun feeling I, I had winning tickets all weekend just didn't hit anything of substance right. to to make it really worth my while so you kind of bleed out a little bit with your bets if you don't hit the big one so not a great weekend for me either i did hit the try on the preakness which paid next to nothing unfortunately yeah, very chalky yeah. but i was uh at least i can say i've hit the try in the derby and the preakness and i'll i'll try to hit it in the belmont i've, yeah. I've never hit a, i've never hit a try in any of the triple crown races so to have two in one year even if one didn't pay really worth anything one did the other one did so i'm gonna try to make it three for three in the belmont and hope mage runs in the belmont but i doubt it triple crown of trifectas good idea tj thanks scoots appreciate that yeah i still (laughs) lost money on the race if if mage would have won i would have it would have been a a, a nice payout payday for me Uh, but i had everything all my other stuff a lot of the other stuff i had 
had had mage on top and that never that obviously didn't, didn't, didn't happen. by the way it, it was like a fine race you know I, I thought it was just in a I, I knew the pace wasn't ideal as they were running but still was just right where it needed to be right where he needed to be on the final turn and then mm-hmm. roush summed it up perfectly makes that burst i don't know if it was rider's fault or horse's fault or a little combination of both or it was the horse's fault but the rider should have caught it but yeah, that cut inside just killed all its momentum. It could never really get it back. Otherwise, I, I truly do believe Mage is winning that race without that cut inside there. And the the that's the part that's frustrating is I think that's just kind of uh, a sign of an immature horse, right? That's still kind of learning. And uh, Castellano didn't have it straightened out beforehand. It's almost like that he pushed the button, uh, for the lack of a better term. As they were coming off of the turn, so the horse just wanted to turn really hard and get inside, and there just there wasn't anything there. There wasn't anything doing. So uh, it's unfortunate. Now Baffert gets his eighth Preakness win, the most all time, and um, kind of like you on Sunday, I was at a place where it was you know it was a little crowded. You couldn't really hear that much on TV, but um, I had a friend go, "Oh gosh, now Baffert's crying in the winter circle, talking about how that he couldn't." It couldn't keep him down for long. It's just like, oh, you, you're the worst, Baffert. And what makes him even the worst is his stupid horse blew it on Friday. That was the one that should have won, Fiza and the Black-Eyed Susan. That, that horse would have been the Oaks' favorite and instead just blew it against a bad field in the Black-Eyed Susan. Like, suck it, Baffert. I cannot figure that dude and his horses out. It drives me nuts. Well, he was crying in the winter circle because they had put down one of his, one of his horses that he had loved earlier in the day. <sighs> that's had funny that, to you, uh, Ralph. Peta email had that had that yeah, Peta email is, this morning. Why is Ralph laughing? What about a jerk! That? That's why he was crying. I thought you were making a joke. <laughs> I did. No, <laughs> they, the having a meltdown horse went down, and on you didn't see all that. No, I saw that the horse went down. I didn't know that's why he was crying. Like, uh, no, he was. That was why he was crying. I mean, dude, he talked dude, about how emotional that was. I mean, he he's laying it on thick. Like, stop, Bob. Like, you're trying to like make good. Wow. But Man. come on, that's uh, hot take radio. It's a bad look, really Ralph. That you're, it's not. You're not really sad that your horse died on the track in front of everybody. You're just you're hamming up the cameras. But does he wow. cry? Did he cry after the first hundred horses he took care of died? Like I don't think so. I mean, it, I mean, it would be a somewhat emotional day in like two races, three races before the Preakness. You have a horse die, and then later on, just moments later, you you win the race that you're there for. It would be a, it would be bittersweet. I would at least say that, like, for him personally, like, I mean, that was his first Triple Crown race he'd been to in a while. So, I mean, what, two or three years? I think all of that just piling up uh, probably had something to do with it. I don't think it was all um, just because the whole – I would think it would be a, a bevy of circumstances coming together. Uh, but especially the, like, you thought you could stop Bob Baffert? You're not stopping him now. Well, maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. Back on the big stage. I'm going to be curious to see how the Belmont field plays out. Yeah, um, I saw where two fills is not going to be in the Belmont. They're, they're, um, um, I, I got on the, the Churchill Downs listserv, so I'm, I'm really locked into the, the stakes race movements now because it's just every day I got like three or four emails about all of the 
derby horses and everything, but uh, two fields is probably going to run the Matt win, which is in later June to get him geared up for the Haskell. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know what's going to happen with Forte. They might just wait till Saratoga, but um, I'm sure, sh- you know, all those people are in, in New York are not happy when, when, <laughs> when Mage lost. <laughs> yeah. That, that hurt everything for them when you can't have the, the triple crown in play. And especially when it would seem like it was being served up relatively easy for Mage to be able to make that happen and just uh, had that kick inside and that will cost it. It's always will be in history as a Kentucky Derby winner, but not the history with the triple crowd. But get your text in 5024141450 what you got scoot. I was just going to say how fun was it though down the stretch those two horses battling back and forth. Like they they went in front of each other at least four or five different times coming down the stretch. That was a lot of fun. I, I don't re- ever remember seeing a horse race like that where it was like one horse up, next horse comes up, next horse like it was just back and forth. Made it a lot of fun. I just wanted to throw that out there. I did have fun watching that, uh, although I was bummed Mage didn't win. Right. But, yeah, it was. Well, I was on National Treasure, so it was. It went my way. Oh, look Come at on. you. Oh, Scooter Dingus. I knew it was a big horse racing day when I got a message from Trevor um, <laughs> saying, hey, there's a Brad Cox horse coming up next at Churchill Downs. And I was like, oh, so he's locked in. He was betting Santa Anita, Churchill, and Pimlico. I, uh, same with I me. I don't think he was – you're doing all three? I, I bet I was betting every track I could on Saturday. I literally horse bet from like ten in the morning to seven at eight o'clock at night. It was pretty wild. Oh man, I love it, Scoots. Yeah, love it. It was fun. Saturday, Saturday, I was betting Pimlico, and then every now and then throwing a little money on Churchill. But I, I usually only stick to one one track. I'm a one track guy. Oh, by the way, TJ. The, so uh, you continued delivering free in my head on Saturday when I did a. Uh, Show parlay got to my sixth race. It was getting up there pretty good. Six wow. races, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I got up to six races, and then that horse just completely pooped the bed. Oh, was it a favorite? <laughs> it it was. Have... It was the second favorite. I ended up going with the second favorite. Second choices are hard. Yeah, it's like man, you're like, oh, well, I, I kind of like this horse, but it has. Uh... Has decent odds. They can really, they can really burn you. But it was really. fun. That's that's really the first time I've ever done a show parlay, and it was almost over after the third race because that horse had like the it hit the nos button right at the finish line to get third. It was incredible. So yeah, it was a lot of fun doing that. I might might have to do those more often. A, a good show parlay is pretty thrilling, especially if you can turn it into something. Roush, this weekend, I, I'm still discovering my identity as a horse racing gambler. You've heard me talk about frequently that I'm just terrible at it. But mm-hmm. I have found that like, if I do study the program and a little bit ahead of time, handicap a little bit ahead of time, I, I do much better than you know obviously just checking out the owner, the trainer, maybe it's last couple races, and then boom, making the decision. So when I actually take a little bit of time to research, I've done better since Derby and then moving on. And really, to be totally frank with you, Derby was like one of the few times ever previously that I'd actually just opened the program and took probably a couple hours to to go through it and make my notes. I did very well. So I did pretty solid this weekend doing some similar strategies. I really do have the the horse racing itch. Um I know that now we've got a little bit of a wait again before any big races. And if I'm wrong about that, you can let me know. But I, I've, it, 
I had a blast handicapping this weekend as well. Again, uh, daily doubles was my play this weekend. Just trying to trying to match those because you really can have a pretty nice payday for a rather inexpensive ticket. And while you can make this case, I guess for any horse exotic or any horse bet, you really do just need to pick back to back winners. Like it's not the hardest thing in the world to do. Now, when you throw in like a third race or a fourth race, then I think it becomes either more expensive of a ticket or significantly harder to do. So I, I kind of settled in on those Whoa. daily doubles and missed out on some really big ones just by a hair, but ended up winning some that, you know, ended up winning 40 dollars $50, $60 enough to supply the bets for some other bets. So that was nice. Just didn't get the big the, one. Right. The, um, the the thing that's nice about a daily double too is that you can was like in a pick three or something. Even if it's chalk, like if you have a chalky pick three, it's like a twelve dollar fifty cent ticket. Um, like that that might not pay anything, but with the double, if you go chalk and just make it like back to back horses, you can just bet ten bucks on two horses, and then that's that's a nice nice payday. So like. Uh, you can it's it's very easy to just increase your uh the price of your ticket without having to to do to do a whole lot well put. I, 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 well it's, put. It's, I, I, i'm not describing it very well but like i, I like doing that for uh, like okay i really like these next two horses let's just do a ten dollar daily double and then that's you know 10 times whatever the it says on the tote board if it actually comes through and I, I know there, there's people much better at horse racing, handicapping, listening, and Roush obviously better than I am in this stuff as well. But I, I do think one, one thing I don't love about horse racing, and this doesn't apply necessarily to everybody, but it does seem more gambling than, than sports gambling where you do have to spend money to make money. Like if you want the big fun paydays, you really do need to have a yeah. sometimes a pricey ticket. Now, obviously, you can get super lucky. Maybe you you just punch the numbers in on a ten cent superfecta and it comes in just some crazy way or something like that. Obviously, there's some exceptions to that, but for the most part, and my friends who do this more regularly than I do and are better at it than I do, like I sometimes I'll see the price of their tickets. I'm just like, man, that would be like my entire day's worth of. Like, do you not just throw a little money on this race or that race? So they're like, no, we do. And it's like, but that ticket would be my whole day's worth of bets just in one. And what happens if just in the first race, poof, something happens? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's all well, like, that's why, like, for the most part, it is fun just chasing exactas, you know, like, it's just fun getting some winners um, and then maybe going big on a race or two. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that strategy as well. But, Congrats to National Treasure. Not only a great movie, but a phenomenal horse. And it wins the 148th Preakness? Uh, yeah, that's correct. 148. Yeah, They're one behind the Derby. Behind the Derby. Stuck and in Maryland. Plenty of other ways as well. Did they sing my Maryland or Maryland, oh Maryland, my Maryland? Sweet old so. Maryland? Sweet I'm home, Maryland? I like that uh, when I... Uh, I, I, it might have been Saturday morning, but there was an op-ed in the Herald Leader that was actually pro my old Kentucky home, which is like, oh, good, we're getting some some takes on this side. Um, uh, but you wouldn't find that in the Courier Journal. I love that every time that they mention in Maryland by Maryland, they they refer to it as jingoistic or jingoism, and you just never see that word anymore. It's like that's a very 
Yeah, you uh, really, yeah, you really don't, do you, Scoots? Scoots, can you define jingoism? No, I cannot. But I did. I was going to bring up the trumpet player at Pimlico. Not good. Not good at all. <laughs> I heard that's why Bob Baffert was actually crying. I, I mean, I, I, I stand the trumpet. Uh, maybe I've just terrible. Maybe I've just taken the guy that's at Churchill for granted. But man, the one this weekend was not good. That guy Churchill's great. Yeah, agreed. I think he like sometimes goes around to schools, Roush, and will like play it for the kids. He's the Buttle Man. Yeah, I think yeah. you can get him to do weddings as well, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, yeah, I've been to uh, multiple where he's he, he's there. Is that what they the call it? Part of- a Buttle? It's called a Buttle, not a whatever I said. No, he his name is Steve Buttleman, so he's, oh, like he's the Buttle Man. Got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. Okay. The only bad part about that job is having to live in that little house all year. Uh, yeah, I know. It's tough. It's tough. It'd be cool to have family over, though. Be like, do you want to come to Churchill today? Although it's tight quarters in that little place. Uh, it would be a fun job, though. Like, your whole identity is just playing that instrument and wearing that outfit. And that's probably his, his only job, you would think. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And he does Keeneland as well. Uh, okay. Yeah, so he, that's, you know, that keeps him busy most of the year and then events on top of that. Uh, Do you think so. over, like, the winter he practices, make sure he's staying sharp? Yeah, and I've even asked him, too, how he got the gig. And essentially when it came up for grabs, there was 30, 40 people, and they just kind of had multiple trials and slowly started dwindling them down. He was in a brass band, and he did stuff with UFL Music, and um, it came down to two. And that guy that lost out to him is his alternate and will uh, fill in mostly for like events and stuff. Like he's there for most race days. Um, uh, you know, he said, like he, he if y'all remember, he had that knee brace on for a while. Uh, a couple of years back, he had had knee surgery and the guy filled in for him more then. Um, but when, when it comes to like events and stuff like that, they, they got to have two people who are always ready to go just because it's so. Is that had demand for the call of the post around when, when I, I didn't realize you were such an expert on on this stuff. When, oh, I'm a when, big when Buttleman this, fan. When did Buttleman get the job? What year? So was I, think, I, I do think it's been like 20 ish years or so. Okay. Yeah, I, I think he's he's held down that fort for quite some time. Um, it, I would think it'd have to be a little bit because one. Was there media attention for this? Because I would think that there would be, but if there wasn't, the next time that job becomes available, oh, you know yeah. it's going to be like a big thing. Oh, they should make it also like a, um, like they should they should do like a small mini series for like Churchill's like their digital media team should put something together. You know, for sure. Like yeah, making the band, but making the bugler. And can you imagine having to be the one in the room being like, okay, bugler number thirty-two, let's hear let's hear what you got. And then so just probably like seven hours of listening to the same two tunes for for the entirety of the day. That would that would uh, that'd be a long day, I think. <laughs> Number forty one, yeah, just same stuff that you've been hearing. You've heard everybody already play it. The room has paper thin walls. Do the thing. Do the thing. So it is a is it a bugle, not a trumpet? It's a bugle. Yeah, whatever you want it to be. Hmm. Bugle. Twenty twenty three. I'm I'm trying to educate myself today, TJ. I want to be an expert like Roush and Buttleman. I, every time that I go to an event that he's at, I kind of like creepily like, hey, how's it going? Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> small talking. 
my wife and I have at least three, at least two pictures. I think three pictures with him. So it's we 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 fanboy and girl out whenever we see the bottle man. There was a guy back when we would go out to like go out to bars and stuff in the band Mojo Flow who'd play the saxophone and like he I was oh that's awesome to to me to him like hey I'm at another one of your shows love love your saxophone you do a great job with it (laughs) um but I don't I think he is I don't know I haven't seen Mojo Flow in probably seven years it's been so long but um as well as he used to I wonder if he thinks about me oh and he he'd always well sometimes we'd kind of like get the crowd to chant it but he, he the reason he was kind of popular is he would he would take his shirt off while playing saxophone you just don't usually see that from somebody rocking the saxophone he's making it sexy making it making it very sexy well said let's end our number one we'll come back what the heck is going on with uk basketball will they have enough players to practice many people are wondering we will tell you this is kentucky roll call on big Xbox radio hour number two coming up next I just let you go Come Monday It'll be alright Come Monday I'll be holding you tight I spent four lonely days In a brown LA haze And I just want you back By my side Over? You say over? I ain't heard no family! Welcome back for hour two of Kentucky Roll Call. Nothing is over until we decide it is. With Walker and Roush. We're just getting started, bro. Welcome back. Hour number two, Kentucky Roll Call here on Big X Sports Radio. 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. TJ Walker, Nick Roush, Justin Kalen. Appreciate you listening along. That was a fun first hour. We had a lot to, really just two things to talk about, but had, I thought, fun conversations discussing golf and the horse racing from the weekend, Scoots. Yeah, I agree. It was it was an action-packed weekend. You know how I know it was an action-packed weekend? Because we just talked golf and horse racing, which were arguably the two biggest things this weekend. Didn't touch on any NBA playoffs, which, both. 3-0, not really much to talk about, but yeah, it was a it was a crazy weekend of sports. I watched a little UFC on Friday or on Saturday. Uh, the NASCAR All Star Race was last night as well. Watched a little bit of that. So yeah, I was I was a busy man this weekend in terms of watching the tube. Uh, I can promise you, you don't have to worry about us talking NASCAR. Oh yeah, sure. no, especially the All Star Race. There's no need. It's so stupid. Well, since the last time we talked, the you had the Heat-Celtics game in Boston on Friday night. That one was a solid game. Jimmy Butler was incredible, so that was that was a relatively fun one. But then the Nuggets win by double digits on Saturday, a complete and total beatdown last night in Game 3. And you're right, both series are 3-0. You'll have the Nuggets try to close out the Lakers on the road this evening at 8.30. So let's do a classic radio bit here, Scoots. Which team down 0-3 would you rather be a fan of? Or who who do you feel better about? I would say the Celtics. Although, I don't know, Los Angeles at home with the crowds they're gonna or the crowd they're gonna have. Oh man, that's tough. I actually I'm gonna switch my answer. I'm gonna say the Lakers just because they're at home, whereas Celtics will be on the road. So yeah, Lakers. 
Yeah, but I'm talking about like coming back and winning the series. Not oh, that's not going to happen. Ne- neither, neither of them are going to happen. Yeah, but it's the radio. It's the radio bit. It's the radio bit. You if know? if one of them were going to come back, it would be the Celtics. No question. It. I. I agree. I, I don't think you're beating Murray and Jokic no. uh, four times in a row. I just can't envision that happening. I don't think it's going to. Ha- I agree with you. It's not going to happen in Miami, Boston either. But Boston probably. The talent gap closer there. You can make the case that Boston's obviously more talented than Miami. A lot of people would, but not seeing it played out that way in the Eastern Conference Finals. So it looks like we're trending towards a Heat's Nuggets Finals that has a lot of NBA or UK NBA star power, I should say. And that'll be a lot of fun. You think both, both teams uh, a game away? You think that you would think? be fun? Yeah. I don't know. I was thinking about it yesterday. I, that series is either going to go one or two ways. It, the Nuggets are just going to mop them, or it's going to be. A, I don't. I guess it could be a close series. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. It, it just seems like a weird matchup. I, I think the Nuggets are probably going to win in five or six. Would be my guess because they're just really, really good. But yeah. Jimmy Butler's been the best player in the NBA. Oh, yeah. In the playoffs. No question. So, at least you're getting the best player in the NBA in the playoffs going against what has been just the most dominant team in the playoffs. But, yeah, I agree. I think the Nuggets would have a pretty sizable advantage. You'd hopefully get Tyler Hero back at some point. I haven't really heard anything. Broken hands can be tricky, but not not impossible. He was supposed to maybe come back for this series, but could be could be over pretty quickly. So, and then that changed as the series approached. They started to say, "No, probably mm-hmm. unlikely he is going to be back for this series." But um, finals would certainly seem doable. And I think the finals have a hard start date. So, like, even if both these series are sweeps and end instantly, it's not like the finals would start any sooner. Mm-hmm. I could Correct. be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Roush confirms it. June one. So we'll have like basketball every day, and then two sweeps, and then. That'd be kind of funny. Ten days without basketball. You, you you would get a good chunk of like just the average sports fan across the country that would just have forgotten, like just had forgotten about the NBA. <laughs> the finals would start, and they'd be like, "I could have sworn the NBA was done. I thought we I thought we had finished it." Uh, but no, yeah, that that will be funny if that happens, and it very well could. Lakers only three point favorites in the elimination game tonight. I think they probably get this one, and then it goes back to Denver, and the Nuggets closes them out. But I think Miami may just go ahead and and do the darn thing tomorrow night because yesterday was yikes. Celtics did not have a lot of fight in them. That's not what you want to see on the road in the NBA playoffs. I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit here. I had a buddy on Saturday who was like, he looked at me, he was like, so what are we throwing, like $400, $500 on the Lakers tonight? And I was like, yeah, no, absolutely not. I was like, they're going to win one, but it's probably going to be game four after they're already down 3-0. So save your money here, pal. And he did not end up betting it. Thank God. Wow. You did it, Scoots. You Give saved yourself a it. in the back. I'm doing it right now, although it's hard to reach with my T-Rex arms. <laughs> Roush, what is UK basketball going to do? We were talking about how quiet and how good the Keyshad Johnson recruitment was looking. Too good to be true is how it all panned out. And let me just say this. It's on UK staff to close. They, It seemed like they were in a good spot. I wish they would have landed him for all the reasons that we talked about for like two weeks that we don't need necessarily get into anymore because it's not going to happen. 
but I don't blame him one bit not wanting to go to UK. You got one final year and you were potentially going to be coming off the bench and maybe getting fewer minutes than you got last year at San Diego State. It was a tough sell, and that's why we thought it was such a good addition to the team is because, like, how are you convincing this dude to come join and play this role? I loved it for those very reasons, but ultimately – Arizona just said, "What are you thinking here? Like you, you were going to, you were going to be a starter on our team, getting tons of minutes. You are sixth or seventh man at Kentucky, and maybe that would have changed where he just would have been too good defensively, where he would have eventually been a starter for UK. I don't think it was impossible, but it was a tough sell for Kentucky for a guy that only has one year left of college basketball, and ultimately playing time and role one out versus just being a role player at another place and." To some, again, to some degree, UK's got to find a way just to convince him that that's the right thing to do. That's what recruiting is at the end of the day. I don't blame. I don't blame Johnson one bit. No, it, and the problem though is that it's just we have this. Um, the what's the word I'm looking for? Like the void is often filled by like the, uh, our, our biggest fears as a fan base. And right now it's just been a long void of no news. And. Oh, it's wild. It's wild. <laughs> and this is a bad thing that Calipari does that bugs me is like you, you need to do local media and selfishly. I'd love for him to come on our show. It'd be great. But if not our show, then another show, then, do, something not just Dan Patrick during Derby Week. And it like, doesn't have that's to the only time be, he's talked since the season ended. Yeah, it's wild. That's way too long for somebody that's getting paid as much money as he does. And I'm a fan of Calipari, but that's this is an area where he comes up a little short. And just on top of all of it, it's good for business around town when you talk, you generate news, and you just basically kind of freeze out these media corporate corporations these media businesses that rely on something and you don't provide anything not that you necessarily owe it but with how much money you're making nobody's asking you to make up quotes in a press conference just come talk about what the latest is or what you're hearing or what uk fans should expect and when they should expect it and it doesn't have to be radio but just do what you do during the season where tv cameras come and journalists and some radio people can come and you talk for 10 minutes. Nobody's asking for the world yeah. here. And that is, uh, that's just so people can ask like, Hey, are fix. you going to hire another coach? Yeah. It's an easy fix. And it does come out like part of it. And he does have a history of just not doing this a lot around this time of the year. So he's got a, he's got a precedent here, but it just comes off as maybe you don't have the answers to what's going on. And I don't anticipate that being the case, but what else are we supposed to guess? Yeah. It seems like that's exactly what's going on. He just doesn't necessarily have the answers, so he's not going to talk about it. Here's the deal with where things stand. You heard you heard Tolu Smith, his name got thrown around and similar to that Juco guy before people could even really wrap their head around the possible addition. It changed. He's not going to go to UK. He right. announced that he's exiting the NBA and he'll be going back to Mississippi State. I was going to be okay with that if he was going to go to UK. I would consider it like a very, very poor man's Oscar. So it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been as good as Hunter Dickinson, but it would have been something. And I think it would have been solid. But it's not going to happen. He's staying at Mississippi State, so no need to worry about it. So people are starting to panic, and understandably so. I'll say this, and this is totally true, but 
you're not done in the transfer portal until you're done. Either you run out of scholarships or you've just struck out on all your options. It's not great right now for Kentucky just because they haven't checked any boxes and it is now getting to be late May and that's getting to be somewhat concerning. But it's not over. And it's really not over until it's over. And I, they're going to get players. They're not just going to roll out with seven people. Who is it going to be? I, I don't know. Hands up. You're just, I still don't think Oscar's coming back, but maybe you start to, once you realize kind of how the situation could get more desperate, maybe you really start to push on him to return for another season. I don't think that's out of the equation. I do think his quotes of the combine seem to indicate he's leaning towards staying in the NBA draft, but maybe if you really come with a good pitch for him, you could convince him otherwise. And then this week, you're going to hear a lot of names of people that are not going to stay in the NBA draft and they're returning to college. And either of these people have potentially already entered the transfer portal. It's closed now, so you can no longer enter it. But some of these people have already entered it before, so their name's already in the transfer portal. It sounds like it's some sort of exclusive club. It's, it's not. It's just a thing on the internet. And then you're going to have some people that are graduates. And graduates don't have to worry about the transfer portal. They can Correct. bypass this exclusive club. They've got the wristband. They can go right on through. They can just transfer, assuming they're a graduate. So you're going to get some older, experienced players that are going to withdraw from the NBA draft. They're going to be just free agents. Kentucky can have their picks of those players. And then you're going to get some people that had already entered the portal that are not graduates, and Kentucky can can look at the pool of those players as well. But the situation doesn't necessarily change, and this is where I think people are a little bit concerned. UK's got a really interesting thing to sell. If you're a guard or a wing, UK seems pretty pretty full at those positions. And everybody that are that the experts are all saying Antonio Reeves still coming back, so we'll default to that. I'm getting a little nervous because, like, what else do you have to do? But everybody still assumes he's going to be back, although these people have been wrong. And I think these people have been wrong because UK staff has been wrong about some of this stuff. So that's something that's a little bit alarming. It does happen. UK staff sometimes, I think, is just has either – they're not intentionally saying wrong things. They just are wrong themselves. It, it happens more than you think in the business. So – Sounds like Reeves is still going to come back, so it's hard to bring a guard in or somebody on the wing. And then the front court, until you get a final decision on Oscar, that could be weighing on people's minds. I I think Kentucky can kind of tell other players that he's most likely gone. But even if you have Bradshaw and you've got Yagana, that's for a big looking to get a ton of minutes. That's tough. That's tough. So it's still a tough sell. But it's not over till it's over, and you're still going to have a ton of names and good names where you can still make this a great roster, John Calipari, but people are becoming more concerned as more names get taken off the board, and I I understand the concerns. There's my rant. Yeah, and I'm not going to say that um, that's not a good way to put it, but the – there are times when uh, this offseason I felt like I just want to bury my head in the sand and kind of wake me up in July when everything's set because the uh, fear mongering is not the right word, but just the anxiety and the like people losing their minds, I always feel like it's a little bit much. Um, however, I do feel like my I, I'm losing a little bit of my 
blind trust, if you will, that, that like things are going to go well, things are going to be great, mostly because it, it, it just felt like we've played this game with like six different people and like, oh, well, looks like it's going to be Kentucky. Oh, wait, nope, it's not going to be Kentucky. Uh, I mean, eventually you just need to have players and starting to worry that there's not going to be enough players, um, especially yeah. in the front court with Lance. Lance ends up at Villanova, which, I mean, good for him. That's a great ah, I want him, him at Providence. I want him at Providence. Uh, Villanova's a weirder fit. They're actually like a traditional power. Right. It so seems like, like <laughs> a slightly more lateral move, but I guess he's going to get more minutes there. You don't think you don't think he'd go to there and just do the exact same thing he would have done at Kentucky. But good for him. I'll be rooting for him. I want him at Providence, though, because, one, Providence is fun to watch, especially with Bryce Hopkins. You add Lance to the equation. They could be your Big East team. That actually really surprised me because I thought the whole Providence thing was final. So Supposedly Providence had already had the commitment graphic for him. They thought he was locked up. That's tough. I, that, that was the old that was the old scuttlebutt. And Roush, getting back to UK, I think Cal has lost the benefit of the doubt. We've liked going in to these last few seasons, the team that has been constructed. But quick early on in those seasons, we've seen some flaws, or those teams have broken down. So it doesn't really matter if it was good roster construction or not; they couldn't necessarily hold up. I still think you have a great, great pieces of talent on this team, but you take in consideration that he has missed on roster construction the last few years, and the fact that now it's late May, and you are far from a completed roster. I do understand the concerns that fans have. It's, I, and I know that's exactly kind of what you're saying is that you are just more nervous than you used to just be able to trust that it was all going to work itself out. But that's a big reason why it's just because it hasn't worked itself out even when we thought it was. And now we don't think that it is. So you definitely don't think it's going to be. Hold up. You got, you went, don't think that it was, but you did. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm. It took me a little bit to. It's not to, that it was. It yes. wasn't. Now you don't think it's going to be. So you definitely don't think it will be. We they are, are who we thought they were. We are. We are zigging and zagging here. But if you keep up with it, it checks out. Yeah. I understand yeah. the concerns. I, I still yeah. think there's plenty of time. Nothing settled in stone. You, you can also look at some reclassification options, which you may say, "Oh, I that ooh that that's not what we want to do." Yeah, it may be like if you're talking about number guy number nine or guy number ten, that can help with roster continuity the following season as well. And you never know what you get. You may get somebody that's ready to bloom into something special. But even if we're, we're talking about, I I want to see spots seven and eight, of course, because those are actually going to be important to the overall picture. And who knows, Kobe Brown could still be a possibility out there. I don't think unless there's an update on Sunday. I don't think there's been any change there. And if you get Kobe Brown, we're talking about this whole situation so differently. That's why it's not over till it's over, but I do understand the concerns. Yeah, it's just the the thing that was nice about Keyshawn Johnson, like you said, is it felt like he fit a, a much-needed role and was also, like, like, like we alluded to, it's just hard to find people that aren't guaranteed minutes and all that in the portal stuff. That's part of why they're transferring, right? So 
Um, I I do think it's now just the the worst part is TJ's. It feels like you must get Oscar Sheboy back, but yet it doesn't feel like Oscar Sheboy is like you, I'm not I'm not confident that's going to happen. So I don't I don't really know what's next. I I don't. Yeah, that's another thing. You know, I mentioned Kobe Brown. What if Oscar surprises people? He says he's back. We're feeling differently about things. You, you get Reeves and you get Oscar back again. I don't think Oscar's coming back. Then you you probably do just need another body or two that you don't really have to rely too much on, and you should feel solid to roll. So options still available. It is getting later, and you are seeing more names off the board, but you're going to get a whole new pool of names again starting today and throughout this week. And there's going to be a lot of times where you're going to hear a name, Roush, and we're all going to be like, oh, could this work? Could that be somebody UK could get? And eventually one's going to be like, oh, yeah, actually, no. Kentucky is going after this person. They're going to – and that's another thing is that – Cal won't make the nil promises. He doesn't want to go down that road. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It may be time for like a little under the table leg kick as well. Like, and you actually do it yeah. this time. You do yeah. make, you like accept the promise because if you had just locked up Hunter Dickinson, I know there, there were rumors that Bradshaw would have left if Dickinson came in. They still just don't, those rumors don't really check out to me, but maybe, maybe you would have had some issues there, but it's, it's time maybe to fulfill one of those nil promises per chance. Yeah, it does also feel like that the UK was very much uh, uh, against doing that, but it might just be the way that the world operates now. And like, there's no, you, you can't go yelling, kicking, screaming against what the sport is now. Yeah. Might be there. Might be there. We don't normally jump ahead on the Thornton's text line, but I read the first sentence of this one, and it seems like something that I'm going to agree with or at least thought was thought-provoking. This is supposed to be the make-or-break season for Cal, and I thought he'd be getting the guys he wants. Instead, we're getting beaten out by Kansas and Arizona, and by the end of May, we should never be begging for scholarship players. I, I totally agree with that text. Yeah. Like, yeah, for very, how important mm-hmm. this season is for U.K. basketball and the freshman talent that we all think is going to be in the NBA – and maybe even great players in the NBA, you haven't done anything to make you feel better about surrounding them with the right pieces. And how do you let that happen in such an important season? The texture is hundred percent right. Now, again, at the end of the text, I would just remind that like it is late May and it makes you more nervous given the, the calendar, but there's still going to be plenty of names to make everything right. I we're I, Totally get where everybody's at, but there is, I cannot stress enough that there is still time to get this stuff right. There is, but it's ticking away, ticking it away. Time, time for something to happen. And, and you're probably just a few more whiffs away from looking at a roster that you're going to be relying on what, five freshmen? Four, hmm. I mean, four freshmen definitively, maybe a fifth in uh, the the oldest college basketball will have ever been in the history of college basketball. That's concerning. And the Texas is 100% right that you've, you've kind of dropped the ball so far on making sure that you're ready to rock and roll because you're, you're not. You're just not ready to rock, to rock or roll, Roush. N- neither one. No rocking, no nope. rolling. Nope. Nope. Need to, to get the rocks back in Lexington so we can roll them down the hill. That's a classic... A- annual tradition we do in Lexington. People don't know that. 
you'll be rolling when you're wearing your Shady Ray sunglasses. Man, I see shade people rocking the Shady Rays everywhere. I do too. I'm glad that everybody is is on board using promo code Big X for 25% off at checkout. Because uh, not only are they they sharp sunglasses, uh, they're great to look through, right? You got the polarized lenses. The thing that I, I what I'm most astounded about, TJ, is that I feel like I've never seen the same pair of Shady Rays out in the wild. Like it's it's always a different look and they're all stylish in their own way. Yeah, I, I I know what you're saying, and you're right that I see a different variety all the time. I do see some of the classic blacks all the time, just because you can't go wrong with those. Like mm-hmm. they're just perfect, even on even on, if you've got a ginormous head that's potentially even bald, and you may or may not have ears, they still will even look good on a noggin like that. Not talking to anybody specifically, of course. And you can save money at Shady Rays when you use promo code Big X twenty five percent off at checkout. And Roush is 100% right. They've got a variety that you just got to see to believe, and they've got sunglasses for each and every occasion. Check them out, ShadyRays.com. DJ, have you ever had to replace a mystery pair? I don't think you can. Gosh dang it. That is not what I wanted to hear. Because you get the special deal. What they're like twelve dollars, fifteen dollars. I think they were like, like I think they were 18. But yeah, that's so my mystery pair I told you guys was my favorite. And I can't find them anywhere. Yeah, I think you the the mystery pair you get for a really good price, but I, I think that they they make it pretty clear that like, hey, you don't get the replacement pair pro. I think it's the only sunglasses you don't get the replacement pair promise on. Maybe I uh, should just should, get a replacement pair on the other pair. There you go. Hmm. That's what you can do. Okay. Small processing fee, bada boom, bada bing. You're back in. Processing fee smaller than the mystery pair price. I, I can guarantee you that. Love it. Yeah, so they've got great deals, and that's a reason why you see them all across the city and the state. Oh wait, and I don't know, I haven't been outside the state in a while, but I'm sure probably everywhere else. We got a, we got an update. So I just texted uh, the a guy's house who I thought I may have left him at, and he just got back to me. Says he has them in his truck. Hell yeah! That everybody was waiting on pins and needles. I'm so pumped. Glad, I'm we're pumped. Glad to hear. We'll take a break. Come back. One final segment. Kentucky Roll Call on Big X Sports Radio. TJ Walker, Nick Roush, Justin Kalen. We'll be back after this. Monday, Monday. So good to me. Welcome to Kentucky Roll Call with Walker and Roush. He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! Yo, microphone check, one, two, what is this? The five foot assassin with the roughneck business. I float like gravity, never had a cavity. Welcome back, one final segment of Kentucky Roll Call on Big Ed Radio. Do not forget to check out Salsaritas, two locations in Louisville, Middletown, and St. Matthews. Middletown has a drive-thru. And keep them in mind for any of your catering needs. You can do it all online, the Salsaritas app. It's easy, it's convenient, and it's most importantly, delicious. Fun show today. We've talked a lot. We could keep probably talking basketball longer and longer, but uh, we can get to the Thornton's text line because we've got all week to talk about this stuff. The Batcats, they... Lose the series against Florida, but they did not get swept. 
most of the experts still seem to think that they will be a they will host a, a top 16 seed. It doesn't seem like they'll be a top eight seed, which would give you the inside track to hope host a super regional. But if they can just host a regional at Kentucky Proud Park, that'll be a huge deal. Most people think their RPI and strength of schedule, which is one two most places, uh, that's that's what's keeping them in the conversation. So they'll be the eight seed. That's crazy that you could be talking about maybe being one of the top 16 seed nationally, but you're eight seed in your own conference tournament, and they will take on Alabama tomorrow. I think that game starts at 4.30 or 5.30 time zones. I think it's 5.30, 4.30 in Hoover where the game will be being played. That's a tough matchup. Alabama's been hot. Kentucky did win the series on the road against Alabama way back near the beginning of conference play, but that's a, that's a tough opening game. And then if you win that, you do make it to the double elimination portion of the tournament, and you'll, you will have Florida waiting for you. So a team that you know that you can beat, but also obviously that can beat you. But it was a competitive series. UK had its chances in their losses and uh, held on in, in its win. So not mm-hmm. the worst weekend possible for the Batcats, and now it's conference tournament play. I never really think it's a bad thing in baseball to get out of conference early on unless you actually need a run. Batcats may need a run just to solidify the hosting, but if they lose, they still have a great resume on paper and, and the extra rest isn't the worst thing in the world. So we'll see I how would, it takes out. I would like for them to just win that game on Tuesday. To Nothing worse than being one and done in the tournament. It just It's too quick. Um, get in there, get to the double elimination portion, and uh, just, just to, like you said, to have some potential resume builders add up there. Speaking yeah, if of, you get, if, you, if you, real quick, Scoots, if yep. you can get two wins in the SEC tournament, you're, I think, definitively hosting. But that's a tough, that's a tough ask. But if you can get the first one, then you can lose to Florida and still have an opportunity to get another one. So I think if you get two, you're definitely hosting. All right, Scoots. Speaking of college baseball in Alabama, didn't Roush have an update for today? Oh yeah, uh, the 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 water cooler talk. I guess it's not water cooler. Watering hole talk is that um, Dan McDonald he can't win the big one, so he's going somewhere else. He's going to go to Bama. So you heard it here first, folks. Dan McDonald too afraid to try to win the big one at U of L. So U of L baseball they needed a win in their regular season. Well, just they can just their season's over. They needed a win in their final game. They didn't get it, so they don't get to go to the ACC tournament. If you're not making the ACC tournament, I think like only two teams don't make the ACC tournament. You're obviously not going to make the NCAA tournament. They they would have needed to go on a, a big run. At one point, I think ranked number two in the country, certainly in the top ten. I think they were eighteen and two, and that that was that was a bad collapse to to finish out the season for Dan McDonald. And he was a little testy after the game. Talking to media, he brought up a, a couple different times, and it may have been asked to him. I'm not exactly sure how it was worded or phrased, but talked about how he wanted to be at a place that's going to be committed to him. He wants it to be at L, but was alluding to the fact that some facilities were promised and there hasn't been any any change in, in that. Oh, doing, classic. doing what coaches are doing nowadays, just yep. complaining when you lose. I, I don't listen. If Dan McDonald wants things done, U of L athletics needs to do everything they can to make it happen. He made U of L baseball what it was, but he also needs to be smart enough. And he's done this long enough to know 
like do that at your next press conference or do, you know, call a press conference or go on a radio show and, and make those comments. When you do it directly after your game comes to an end and your season has come to an end, it does sound a little like deflecting on, well, it would be different if when in reality you you've gone to college world series, whatever you've got going on is clearly good enough to win. You all just haven't been lately. And this whole thing is a whole different conversation, but you should talk about why you just lost this game and your season's now come to a close and not necessarily blame it on facilities. So I don't think his point is invalid. I don't really, somebody was sending pictures around of the ACC facilities and actually there were some really, really nice ones. A lot of really nice ones, as a matter of fact, U of L's is nice, but it's a little bit on the smaller side. So again, maybe his criticisms are, are fair, but just not the time to do it. Yeah. It, there's also part of um, like the the way you described it too is it's very much like oh well this is the classic Jurich guy who first bad thing happens um, <laughs> and then he starts blaming others right because this really is their first bad season in a in a good long while. No, they uh, missed the tournament like two years ago. Hmm. They they've they've been on a little bit of a cold streak. Hmm. Are things spiraling? They have like one college World Series. They have one. They obviously went when they beat UK. I don't know if they've been back since then. Maybe they have once, but there's been two under. This is like the second underachieving season, either in the last three years or three straight, something along those lines. I don't pretend to be a U of L baseball expert, but you are reporting though, or you are scuttlebutting that he's going to go to Alabama. Those have been the rumors. But it seemed like you had a little bit more of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's more than just rumors. Is that accurate? Uh, the 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 folks that I um, I don't know if they're necessarily plugged in, like uh, in the room where it happens. But keep up with it as closely as possible, and they they're resigned to the fact that old Dan McDonald's ready to move on. He's been he's been mentioned and rumored for a lot of jobs, most of them usually in the SEC, and he's he's turned them down every time. You're thinking maybe go in and coach in the tide. The tide has changed. Get it, Todd? The that that will roll Todd. That'll be interesting. That won't be a that won't be a good move. That won't be a good look for Josh Hurd, whether it's his fault or not. But. Then Syre was able to keep him around. What happened yeah. with you, buddy? Mm, interesting. A texter on the Thornton's text line. Good, good remember, uh, Scoots, to bring that up. But yeah, Rouse, thanks. That's thank my job. You, That's my job. You're gonna, you're gonna make the U of L folks nervous. <laughs> um, all right, where did we get on the? I, I couldn't believe the the John text in last week. That was wild. Yeah, and then we had a follow up <laughs> from his wife. Yeah, she got she sent confirmation. All I had to say is, oh my god, I'm so sorry he told you all that. Oh god, she sent that in. I about fell out of my chair. Oh, it's a PG text line, John. Oh man, uh, those, Kirby those... did text in and say, TJ, not only is it comedy, people freaked out about your tweet, but what's even more unbelievable is the people still wearing masks. Saw one yesterday, one outside again. Now I understand why we vote for a vegetable and a turd sandwich annually. I did. I I, I was talking with some friends too uh, while we were riding around through the Highlands, uh, and it's like 
you know, I'm 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 liberal Roush, right? But when I see people walking outside with a mask, and I'm like, what are you, what are you doing, dude? Like, what, what what are we doing here? Yeah, Kirby, it's just got gotta let people do what they want to do, I suppose. Yep, I text, they just gotta live. Yep. No spoilers. This season of succession has been unbelievable. It has been a good season. Uh, not, never never watched it. Just not... it's, a, it, it's a good show. Last night was a good episode, too. The one before that, that was an amazing episode. Really, a, really a good one. It has been a good season. I uh, watched uh, The New White Men Can't Jump last night. And um, I got to say, I'm not like the biggest Jack Harlow fan. But when he does, I like Jack Harlow the actor much more than I like Jack Harlow the musician. He was a lot of fun on SNL. And he's very... Uh, very charismatic in this movie. Like it was, it was a, it was a fun watch. You're the first person I've heard that has liked that movie. Really? Yes. I, uh, one of my friends who's kind of a Jack Harlow hater, big movie guy. He was the one who recommended it. Couldn't say enough nice things about it. I, uh, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Wow, interesting. Really? No, I, I like. I, I've known people that had to turn <laughs> that had to turn it off, and they're and they like Jack Harlow. Um, I, I was told that any any issues with the movie didn't re, re, weren't Jack Harlow's doing, which I would feel like some of those people I would expect them to say that about him just because they like him. Um, but I, I no nobody besides you has said that the overall flick is a is a fun watch. But I I, I will take your opinion into consideration. I almost certainly will not watch it, but if I do, it'll probably be because of your recommendation, Roush. I was uh, I was telling Gil last week that I really want to watch that movie, and I can't come home from work last night, and he's flipping through all the different apps or whatever, and he gets on that movie, and he goes, hey, you should watch this. It's really good. And the, what, the quickness of my head turning around to look at him, like, you've got to be kidding me again, and he just started laughing. He's like, I'm just kidding. I didn't watch it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Oh man, that's great. That's great. So, you guys are when are you gonna watch it? Uh, that's a great question. I, I think I have a pretty light week this week, so maybe this week. The one thing that is like some of those movies, if the sports, like if those scenes are so like some of those can be so hokey that you just can't even stand it, and it doesn't do that. Like, and it and it has some good comic relief in it. Um, you know, I could see where some of it might be a little bit ham-fisted, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I have heard nothing but great things about Air. Yeah, and that that was we we it was either we were going to watch either one of the two, so we chose that one first because my friend was so effusive in its praise. But Air Air is next up on our list because that one is uh, available on Prime now. So, yeah. yeah, I'll be checking that out this week at some point. But I've heard really good things about that. Uh, a texter on the Thornton's text line says it's getting time to panic with the roster situation. What the hell is Cal doing? It's, you don't have to panic if you don't want to, because there is still time. I, I'm going to say that a million times, but Cal, you could talk and ease everybody's concerns. Yeah. Um, even then just like, some action would go a little bit further. Really, the biggest thing that they need this week is just Reeves. Announcer coming back. Like, just give give a little positive shot in the arm will go a long way uh, at this time. And, you know, another aspect to this, too, which, like, uh, we used to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I just don't know if you if you can anymore. 
and th- and these c- things could potentially not even be related. It, it could be these things unfold this way, and UK had a good idea it was going to unfold this way. But it's going to look like you're not going to get final decisions until Oscar, Chris, Reeves, until close to the end of the deadline. The deadline is what? May 30th, 31st, I think. So it's going to end up looking like, did you not know these guys were leaving? And then you all passed on a, a lot of different options in the transfer portal. Are you guys left? Were you guys left in the dark with all this? What, what happened? And it could be the situation that they knew those things were going to happen one way or had an idea it was going to happen one way, but they just didn't find the right fit in the portal or they couldn't make the right connection or whatever it may be. There could be room for benefit of the doubt, but I, I don't think you can give it to them anymore. So that's going to be another tough look for them that if you don't start getting this stuff figured out soon, it's going to look like you didn't know that these guys were all leaving and and that's why you didn't attack these guys in the portal. So now look what's left. Are you are you in the spot you want to be in? Yeah, it's um it's in a weird spot. Weird spot right now. Cuz like wow, you know what what's it going to do? It, it I can't think of anything else besides that they are just wrong or they're not 100% sure. Like, why have Livingston, if everybody has assumed that he's going to be gone? I know the Ben Roberts quote came out about a month ago now where it was like, well, UK is not so sure if he's going to be gone. That came and went like a stinky fart. Everybody paid attention to it for a second, and before you knew it, it was gone, and everybody just moved back on with like, no, he's going pro. He's going to go pro. Like, what's the point of him waiting so long? Right, right. Oscar, I get maybe he's waiting for a a promise, so I can at least understand that. Well, what's Reeves up to? Are you are you get, trying to get your nil situation in line for him? And he's got to he's got to have, you know, you don't make guarantees, but he wants at least what he got last year, if not more. What is the holdup with this stuff? It's a totally valid question, especially when uh, I think it would help everyone if you just moved forward. I think it would help the individual who's pursuing their draft stuff to just move forward. I think it would help the coaches at your old school. So like, I don't, so maybe there is a little bit of trepidation, but I don't, I don't get it. It it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, no, you're, it's a, it's a weird time, but for the 1 millionth time, there is plenty of time. Are you guys a bit concerned with the offseason ads with the transfer portal? Another part of it is just like the departures too. You know, like why did Lance Ware wait as long as he did after the season? Mm-hmm. You, you could say that about Damian Collins. And Damian Collins was still probably later on in the process than you would have expected. But it was like it was like during the season, everybody knew that he was probably going to go. Um, you could make a case with the departures too. And if you – had Collins, you'd probably I would feel slightly better about the front court. I, I think you got in Bradshaw could be a very formidable and good front court. I also would like a little bit more certainty as well. And you should do that if you're Cal for the same reason that first texter brought up. Like this is the make or break year. You need it to be it, everything needs to be a, a certainty. Again, maybe the backcourt's gonna be the only thing that you're gonna have to wait to figure out. But DJ Wagner seems like a a gamer and Dillingham has, he can do some things that just other people cannot do. Maybe it would take a little longer for them to figure it out, but everywhere else you should have just had check, 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 rebounding, defense, shooting, athleticism, everything else should have been good to go. 
maybe backcourt you would have had to just wait to see to make sure because UK has been burnt with some backcourt players, Ryan Harrow, Devin Askew, blah, blah, blah. Not that I think these guys are, are them, but once you once it happens once and once it happens twice, then you'd be silly not to think it couldn't happen thrice. I can't believe that they're in the spot that they're in for all the reasons we've already said today. Yeah, it's bizarre. Little, hey, little but bizarre. it makes it enter- makes it entertaining. Makes for solid radio. I just, as a UK fan, you want like, okay, all right, you're playing with fire. It's getting it's getting a little toasty. Just another UVL fan account whining and crying about UK's football schedule. The amount of UVL fans that truly whine about this is adorable. What's really uh, the the beautiful irony in it this year is that Louisville has one of the worst schedules in college football because the ACC is garbage. So, very funny. Yeah, the tweet was something along. If Jeff didn't, if if he scheduled like Stoops and didn't play like the season kickoff games, blah blah blah, U of L would have win ten games a year. Yeah, yeah really and then the, obviously the easy counter there. Well, if UK got to play terrible ACC teams every year, look look what what they've Ooh. done. Look I what like they've done the, in the uh, ACC lately, and it's I like just the U of L. This is a very good boom roasted. Uh, if UK played in the average competition conference, UK would win nine, ten games every year. Average competition conference is pretty great. We gotta, we gotta make Shout that out a to thing. Tyler B on Twitter who came up with that one. Good job. <laughs> That's good. Another texter says, "Morning, fellas. Casey from Germantown, to be more specific, went golfing at Cherokee Friday and had a blast. It was probably the fourth or fifth time ever golfing. I got to get out there more often. Played terrible for the most part, but had a couple really good holes. Also, my buddy overhit one of his shots and barely missed a car driving on Grinstead. It was insane. Yeah, that part three. It's interesting to have a bar three backing up to a pretty busy intersection in Louisville, right. but it does make for a pretty hole and." Uh, that's the that's the goofiest green in the city, and I've played a lot of greens in this city. There's no goofier green than number six at Cherokee. Uh, my buddy got a hole in one on that hole. I think I've said it on the radio show before, but good for you, Casey from Germantown. I was really impressed with Cherokee's shape. Uh, same with Crescent Hill. Some of the some the public courses are really popping right now. So get out there and support them. We're lucky to have the ones that we do, and there's people out there that want to take away the ones that we do. So uh, go out there and support them. Good for you, Casey. The uh, I actually had a friend. We were uh, out dining Friday. He said he got uh, went to Cherokee for the first time. Uh, got in nine holes, so that's a nice way to you know get out there, have a little fun. Hopefully, I can squeeze one in this week. I doubt it, but you know, wishful thinking. It's a holiday weekend after all coming up, which feels like it kind of snuck up on us. But um, I, I have a the the eighties this week. It'll it'll get everybody kind of in the the summer spirit. I got my garden planted. Uh, finally put the finishing touches on it, uh, this weekend. And so we got, um, change it up slightly, trying cucumbers for the first time. So, wow. uh, not, not sure how that's going to go, but already got a few tomato buds. Um, so yeah, should be, should be a lot of fun. Uh, love the garden. Love the, uh, the summer gardening. Love hearing about it. John here. Good Monday morning, everyone. By gosh. Hey, wow. John. Is the heat all that and then some? Do the Nuggets take care of business tonight? Well, I'm not sure, but I do not think the Lake Show will go down being swept in front of their fans. However, I'm not going against Joker and Murray. I got the Nuggets by eight. What do you all think? Well, I got to go talk to you later. You've covered both sides there, John. (laughs) (laughs) But ultimately, he says he's going Nuggets. I think the Lakers get it tonight, and then Denver wins in game five. I agree with your, your former take. Well, the the Nuggets are just turns out they're really freaking good. Jamal Murray's really freaking good. He had what thirty in the first half of the other night. 
Yeah, just, something ridiculous like that. Uh, he rules. You could say this really about any team that's left in the playoffs, but you do hope that that both those guys can stay healthy. They've got injury history, but you could again, you could what if Jimmy Butler didn't stay healthy for the Heat or Jason Tatum for for the Celtics or AD hardly ever stays healthy from but for him for the Lakers, but it 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 applies to the Nuggets as well. That's the only way I don't think they're winning the NBA championship. One of those two guys would have to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, sounds about right. Sounds about right. Another texture on the Thornton text on 502-414-1450 says, nobody rolls the heat. Defense gives them a chance every game. I hear the national people asking, what's wrong with Boston? They keep forgetting Boston had to fire their coach. Big deal in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, and he he certainly looks uh, up a creek without a paddle. Couldn't happen to a worse guy. So, really, he can just suck it forever. And, yes, is that immature of me to hate one person eternally for one game that happened 10 years ago? Yes, but you know what? I'm a child, and sports really just brings it out of me. So, suck it, Joe Missoula. Suck it. I think they were talking about the other coach. I mean, Ime got fired, but Joe Missoula, he stinks at coaching. Yeah, but I didn't want to step on your rant. I love a good yeah, – I love that you're anti-Joe Missoula. Yeah. Tell you you suck it and you suck it. That is true that the Heat's defense is going to give them a chance. They just – I don't think they get – they have the firepower that the Nuggets have. John here again, I agree with what the KRC crew is saying about the basketball Cats lineup. I do believe Oscar and Reeves are coming back. If that happens, we're in great shape. I love the style of the freshman-led team. Either way, we will be fine because our freshmen are the best players in the country, and we have not had that type of team in a few years. The formula's worked pretty well in the past. We'll got to go talk to you later. John, the formula has led to early season losses, and while it has worked out, and at the end of the day, you care more about the end of the season than the beginning of the season, you do worry that if you're strictly freshman, it – it not only will be bad at the beginning of the season, you may just never have enough consistency to be able to to reach your peak. You don't you don't know. It, it'll help ease the process if you get more experienced guys there to take the load off if one of the freshmen are having some bad games. And that's why Antonio Reeves would be such a big addition. And I still expect him back, but as Roush has said, it'd be nice to hear that news officially. Mm-hmm. Let's make it official this week. Um, another text says, why do I feel like we're being set up for a big letdown in football this year? Still extremely concerned about our O-line. Our offense can't beat you great without our O-line being good. I don't know why you feel like you're being set up for a big letdown in football this year. Cause we kind of just had that. So, um, that, well, first off, you know, you could like make a UK football joke. I don't think I'm personally at the part of my fandom where, I'm I'm not expecting UK to let me down in some capacity. I much more expect big moments, which is very exciting, and I and I love that. But like, I'm still not immune to the the heartbreak. We are UK football fans, after yeah. all. Uh, yeah, you exactly. You can't just take that away all of a sudden. Secondly, you're right. Like, I think it comes down. It's, it'll be one of two things. If UK football has a stinker of a season, it'll be because the offensive line took a step backwards, really. I mean, if we're talking a true stinker of a season, Which, the offensive line would have impossible. to take a step backwards. And I agree with Roush. I don't think it is. I don't think it will be possible for that to, to be the case. And then Devin Leary would just not have to have the chops for the SEC. And I'm not worried about that. I think yeah. he'll be fine. But that those are the two things that I think maybe the secondary is really bad and they just get thrown all over, but they're too good up front that I think that that's going to be a true valid. Yeah. 
I think the defense is going to be good. You just, I, I worry more so about the cornerback position than anything because I have enough trust in Cohen to know his personnel to be able to scheme up stuff to support him. I mean, he he was smart enough to realize like let's just give the damn ball to Wandale a ton of times. Like when in doubt, he's those guys are going to get the ball. So I, I I'm less worried about offensively Kentucky scoring points. I, I I'm just how how many times are they going to have to get in shootouts? Um, and the the other benefit too, I love the early runway you have in the season, um, but keeping that offensive line healthy uh, is is imperative. Uh, but you know what? Somebody gets hurt, they'll be in a bind, and that's kind of uh, that's kind of how 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 most programs work. Uh, Waka did have a fun little take that I wanted to share. The Ohio State kid, he's like, aside from Devin Leary, he might be the best portal kid out of them all. So like, he could be a multi-year starter down the road. So I, I felt like that's a that's a very optimistic sign for the future. Could be that's worth game. that's worth bringing up. A texter says, Kirby says, is the NBA mid as hell right now? Totally mid, Kirby. Super mid. We're going to have sweeps in the conference finals. Not not liking it. Uh, appraisal work is slowing down. Means more golf for me. I'm coming for you, Scoots. Wow. Already oh. trash talking. I'm, I'm ready. You, you would have smacked me on Friday, Johnny. Don't worry. Uh, you don't know my brother. You, uh, oh, you've, you, know. you talked up his game. You talked down about mine. So When did I talk up his game? <laughs> You you were talking last week how he's been been a lot better. He has been better, but that's who that's not all saying that much. <laughs> the only time the only place I'll give him credit is he'll he always seems a way to hit some pretty incredible putts, like multiple around. Um, of course, I'll say that and totally jinx him if I ever need to rely on him personally for any of those putts. <laughs> oh, but, of course, right, yeah. right. All right, everybody, have a great Monday. That's our show. This is Kentucky Roll Call on Big Exports Radio. Go. TJ Walker, Nick Rouse, Justin Kalen. We'll see you on Tuesday. Good morning, you show the fine.